It's go time. Welcome everyone to Quick Kicks here on Third Down Gamble. I'm Don Charbon. Today, a very special guest from the real true north, Edmonton, Morley Scott from 630 Chad, morning host and also voice of the Edmonton Elks. Morley, awesome to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Don. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. I guess I want to start. Uh, there's two key elements that have happened in the last six months after the bloodletting was over. One was the hiring of Chris Jones, and the other is Victor Kui, who came on board. Let's start with Chris Jones first. You were there the first time Chris Jones was around with the organization. You saw what he could do on the field. You also saw how he was off the field. How would you describe the mood when that announcement came down, and, and what was your initial reaction? I wasn't really that surprised on because I think once they fired everybody, I think knowing that they had to pay for guys moving forward uh, in the last couple of years of their contracts, I think getting a coach and general manager was going to be the right move. And Chris Jones can do both. And uh, he's proven he's pretty good at both. Um, I mean, he he played a key role in putting the 15 team together here that that won the Grey Cup along with GM Ed Herbie at the time. And, you know, he built a pretty good team in Saskatchewan when he was there as well. And I don't think you can argue about his coaching acumen. He's, he's a, he's a good football coach. There's no doubt about that. So that didn't really surprise me. He's a different guy now. I mean, he's got the reputation of being a, uh, you know, a hired gun and just moving around like a mercenary, but he's talked about that several times, uh, especially when he first got the job, how he wants to settle down. And he, and he pointed to Huff in Calgary and he pointed to Wally in BC and said, I want to be like Huff and Wally. I want to, have a legacy with one team and I want to build that legacy and stay with one team for a long time. Wally Buono was part of the hiring process. The The Elks hired him to to work, uh, to kind of uh, weed out the candidates and get it down to the final five or so. And uh, he spent a lot of time talking with Wally Buono and I think he realized that uh, he's got to make a commitment. Uh, he made the commitment and I don't doubt he's here for the long haul. Signed a four-year contract, I believe it was. And I'm, I don't doubt he's here for the long haul, if not if not longer as a coach and GM, uh, especially if they have any kind of success whatsoever, uh, he'll be invited to return at that point. Right. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all that, that he was the guy they came up with. They know him. He knows, you know, he knows the organization, he knows the city and uh, it was just a, it was just the right fit at the right time for everybody. He of course had his tenure in Saskatchewan and the Rough Riders uh, first year with him, they went three Thanks, and fifteen, Don. and you could see the build Thank coming. You, appreciate it. It's good to Basically, be here. he gutted the team to make a team that he wanted to have. You're already seeing that in Edmonton. He's done the same thing here, bringing a lot of guys he took to Saskatchewan with him to to Edmonton, and you know that's what happens in the Canadian Football League, right? Yeah, you know we saw it with with Brock Sunderland when he came over from from Ottawa. They've signed a lot of guys who he scouted in Ottawa. Uh, Chris Jones has the guys that he likes and he knows can play his system. And he's brought a lot of those guys to Edmonton to play for the Elks this year. Some of them are returning. Uh, some of them are guys who are here for the first time. And that's not a surprise. I mean, there were three and 11 last year, right? So changes have to happen. Changes have to happen. It wasn't a good enough football team last year. And uh, Chris Jones came in along with G. Roy Simon, and they've done a lot of work in getting rid of guys that they didn't want and bringing guys in that they do want that they feel can make this team better and play. As I was talking to G. Roy Simon uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying that 
Chris Jones has a specific kind of player who has to have a specific kind of skill set to play the style he wants to play, mostly referring to defense, but also on offense. And that's why there's good players who don't fit his style. And that's why some guys just aren't returning and and why some guys were brought in because they fit that style that uh, Jones likes to play. If there's any two adjectives that I could throw, it would be smart and quick. He, those are the types of players he, he seems to work toward. And athletic, athletic, right? Uh, and and uh, as he calls them, lean, long and lean. Guys like Willie Jefferson, who, uh, you know, he helped bring to the Canadian Football League uh, with the Elks in 14 or 15. Uh, those are the kind of players, you know, he made, uh, he, he really helped Odell Willis's game, plays that same style. He's long and lean and very athletic. And those are the kind of guys he like. He, how many times you see his defensive linemen dropping back and acting like linebackers or linebackers moving out and becoming safeties. I mean, that's what happens. He likes to mix things up and you got to be able to play every position and you got to be able to play it well to be on, especially on his defense. And and that's the kind of players that he looks for. And the guys who signed with him, guys like, like Ed Ganey and Dion Lacey and uh, uh, Toby Antigua, they're, they know what they're getting into. They know what he wants and they know they can do it. And he knows they can do it. And that's why they're the good match. And he loves press coverage. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He also loves showing pressure and dropping three guys back, right? You know, he'll, he, he, he'll mix it up a little bit and he's, that's what makes his defense so good is you know what's coming, but you don't know what's coming, right? You know what's coming a lot of times, but you don't know where it's coming from. And that's what makes it, uh, that's what makes his defense a little bit special, I think. Signings, Manny Arsenal and Adarius Bowman right off the top. Bowman has since retired. Is Arsenal really going to make the team? I, I don't know if he'll if he'll for sure make the team, but he's going to be at training camp. There's no doubt about that. Um, he's coming to camp. I just saw some uh, video uh, this morning on Nick Arbuckle's uh, social feed of him working out with Manny Arsenault in uh, California and throwing footballs to him. And yeah, he's very serious about it. I talked to Manny Arsenault a couple of days after the announcement was made that he signed him, and he hasn't left the game. I mean, Darius Bowman left the game. He played... After the Elks released him after the 2017 season, he signed with Winnipeg, got traded to Montreal, and he just seemed to lose a step, right? He just didn't seem to, to play. So he hasn't played since 2018, and that's why he, he had taken a step back, and he hasn't played since 2018. That's why he, he caught me by surprise. But Manny Arsenal, he like he played indoor football last year. He played in the in the, in the indoor football league last year in California, and uh, he still wants to play. He still likes the game. He still feels he can contribute. I think... He doesn't like how he went out with his uh, with his one year in Saskatchewan. He, I think it was a knee injury that knocked him out early, and he never got a chance to kind of finish things up the way he wanted to. So I think he wants to come back. The invite kind of surprised him because he said he was getting close to a point where he was going to retire uh, and call it all off, and then, and then the phone rings, and he said, nah, I guess I'm going to Edmonton for training camp. So we'll see where it goes from there. But, yeah, he's, he's, he's working out, and he's getting ready to come to camp. Nick Arbuckle – where is he in this whole picture? Because, wow, has he had an odyssey in the last 12 months? Sure has. Sure has. That, to me, is going to be the most intriguing story of Elks training camp, is how the quarterback position is going to shake down. you got Taylor Cornelius, who started the last half of last year, has some tools, right? We, you know, he's got a great deep ball, uh, can throw it a ton, but had some issues as well, threw a lot of interceptions. But he's obviously... 
let's hope he's he's smart enough to learn from all that and will come to camp a better player. Nick Arbuckle, you mentioned his odyssey has been incredible, right? Uh, had that good run. Uh, I guess it would have been 2019 in Calgary when Bo Levi Mitchell got hurt. And uh, everyone said, oh, he's going to be a good one. And then he went on the free agent market, signs with Ottawa, moves to Ottawa. Uh, the Red Blacks, you know, build him up and they market him and everything. And then they don't want to sign him for 21 after 20 was canceled. Uh, gets traded to Toronto or not traded, but moves end up moving to Toronto via free agency is basically him and Matt Nichols switch places. And uh, it just didn't work out in Toronto, which is which is kind of strange because, Ryan Dinwiddie's there, the guy he had so much success with in Calgary in 2019, but it just didn't it just didn't carry over for whatever reason. And uh, then he ends up getting traded to, to Edmonton uh, late in the season and never got a chance to play. He practiced, never got a chance to play, which I think is probably disappointed him. He took the high road through it all, but for whatever reason, uh, Jamie Elizondo and um, and Brock Sunderland didn't want to play him, and they kept saying they don't want to put him in a bad situation or the team in a bad situation by playing a guy who doesn't know the system which is fair, I guess. Also, they have three games in, in a week to end the season, which also puts a lot of stress on everybody. But on the other hand, you look at Trevor Harris. He went to Montreal and played like virtually 10 days later, right? Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know what the situation was, and, but but they didn't play him. And so he basically had last year off after he was traded. And uh, I've spent some time talking to him this offseason, and he's excited to get the opportunity. He got the new contract. Uh, he got the signing bonus, which kind of shows that, you have to bring him to camp now because you've committed to him and give him that opportunity, which is all he wants. All he wants is the opportunity to win the job. And he's going to come to camp to try and win that job. And, and it'll be him and Taylor Cornelius, but then throw JT Barrett into the mix, right? From, from Ohio state, uh, a guy that I'm sure really intrigues Chris Jones because of his skill set. And then you got to wonder, okay, well, well what's Barrett's long-term? Does he just want to get playing again, get tape and get back to the NFL or, does he want to set up shop and, and become a quarterback long-term? So there's there's lots to be discussed when it comes to the Elks training camp and, and how their quarterback situation is going gonna, is gonna to shake down. To me, like I said, going to be the most intriguing thing about camp. Victor Cui is also in addition to the franchise. What has it been like since his move into the presidency? It's remarkable. It's really been remarkable to watch him come in and see what he's done. Uh, he's got, and and again, I don't mean this to be a, a shot against Chris Presson, but Chris Presson had never, as far as I know, never been at a CFL game before he became president and certainly never been at an Edmonton Elks game and never been to Edmonton before he got the job. And he, he kind of got the short end of the stick because a lot of the stuff that he, he got kind of blamed for not doing, he really couldn't do because of COVID, right? And get into the community and do all that stuff. But Victor has come in and he's shown passion for the city. He's shown passion for the team. He's shown uh, passion for the people of Edmonton. He's shown passion for the fans of Edmonton. And he's shown passion for the job. And, and he's already, you know, the, the first thing he talked about on day one was getting a double header at Commonwealth Stadium with the, with the Golden Bears and the Elks. And that is in place now. And that's, I think that's a great move. Uh, then he's, you know, he's moved ahead on, on other, many other initiatives off the field uh, from, from uh, promoting ticket sales to, to making moves within the community that everybody is applauding. And it's incredible, Don, to me, you go back to the November and the season ending and how, and I'm going off of what I read on social media at the time, which often is a dark place, but the negativity about the team in November 
and then compare that to where they are now. It's absolutely night and day. Absolutely night and day how the fans are talking about the football team and the organization compared to where they were, uh, you know, just in November. So, you know, was that four or five months ago? So, yeah, it's been it's it's been a pretty incredible turnaround for Victor, who's, from what I understand, just an absolute workaholic. Um, he's the first guy in, last guy out. Uh, that's an old cliche, but it's apparently true for Victor. Uh, and and he's he's been in touch with people. Um, uh, the thing, the most common thing I heard about him is uh, fans are going, I went to follow him on Twitter and I found out he's already following me. So then I followed him and then I sent him a tweet and he answered me. <laughs> they seem so surprised, right? Uh, because, you know, they hadn't had a lot of just casual contact with the football team over the last couple of years and, and everybody's excited about it. And I have not seen, honestly, uh, he, he'll probably make a misstep here and there and maybe something won't work out because he's got a ton of ideas and a ton of plans. But honestly, I have not seen one bad thing that anyone has said about Victor Cui and the job he has done since he took over as the president of the Elks in January. You allude to the optimism and look at what season ticket sales have already done. Yeah, well, that's one of his plans too, was that $99 season ticket sale. Uh, they started it on family day and it ran for four days. And on family day, they sold more season tickets in one day than they ever have in franchise history. Um, $99 is, you're not going to make a lot of money off that, but you're going to get people in the door and people are going to start to to go to games. They're going to buy hot dogs and they're going to buy pops and they're going to buy beers and they're going to spend some money while they're here. And it's going to get their green and gold blood going again. If you put a winning product on the team, they're going to have fun uh, at the game because of the results. And if you improve the game day atmosphere, they're going to have fun there. And and that can start, you know, that can start turning everything around for the Elks. They also brought back the iconic double E. Now, granted, it's not the same that they wore for about 50 years of their history, but it, it is something that I think a lot of people wanted to return yeah, it's uh, it looks cool. I, I I didn't realize how much I missed it till I saw the helmets with it on again. Um, I mean, it is bigger as you mentioned. It's not like that little card decal that you put on back windows anymore. It's it's a bigger EE. It's like the EE they had on their third jersey helmets, but smaller. Um, it looks nice. Uh, it makes the alumni happy. Uh, it makes uh, a lot of the old time fans happy, and it it kind of it, it it's kind of throwing a bone to those who are still upset about the name change. And it says, okay, well, at least we got the EE back, right? So, and, and those people were like, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna change the name and go to another E name, why did you get rid of the double E's? Then, if you're getting rid of the double E's, just pick a name and go with it, right? Which is a fair comment, I guess. And uh, I'm still surprised how hard people have taken the name change and how there's still people out there who uh, aren't uh, who aren't, aren't getting on board with the new name and the reason why it was changed. That, that's kind of surprised me. But I mean, they're not going back, so you can let that go, right? Um, so it's uh, it's been interesting, but the but the double E back on the helmets has certainly helped that amongst the fan base, and and I just think it's a good move. I just think it looks really cool. I I didn't mind the antlers that much. I think I would be okay if the antlers came back for some special games. You know, one game a year they wear the antlers. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that. They weren't bad. They just weren't the double E's, and I think it was uh, everyone was upset that you know, they had lost the name and now they've lost the double E's. And I think that more than anything else upset people. So yeah, I, I think, I don't know, I don't know if they do it in, in 2022 or not, but maybe in 23 or 24, they'll say, Hey, let's throw the antlers on there for the Labor Day game and see, and see how it looks and see how people react to it. Rash Madani and the commissioner. Madani is definitely putting it to the commissioner. Is 
four down football on the agenda. Yeah, I'm I'm obviously I don't like it and I don't want it to go to four downs. I don't think there's anybody who does want it to go to four downs, but I mean, it's sure getting the CFL in in the spotlight, right? In the last couple of weeks, it's been a hot topic and people are talking about the CFL and they're talking about how much they love the CFL the way it is and now if you say okay, it's like the EEs, right? If you give them back the third down, uh, three downs, you know, like you gave back the EE, you make people happy, even though you never took it away, right? Uh, so I don't, I, I don't think it'll happen. You have to be different to a certain extent. I mean, you're going up against other football products that are all four downs. You want to be a little bit different. The Canadian game is different. It's got its its little idiosyncrasies that people love, whether it be the three downs, the rouge, the wider field, whatever it is. You gotta. You got to embrace that and move forward with it. That's what makes our game better to us, right? And and I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to change. I, uh, you know, Marco Brulette made the great uh, great point on Twitter this week by saying, "Hey, everybody's talking about the CFL right now, so it doesn't really matter if we go to if we're talking about going to four downs. We're nobody wants it to happen. It's probably not going to happen, but man, we're all talking about it right now. So I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Being in the abyss is never a good thing for a professional league." And how often do we talk? I mean, the CFL, the Grey Cups won in late November, and then it goes dark until uh, free agency, basically, in February, right? Uh, And then it goes dark until the draft, and then it goes dark until training camp. And now, I think this year, and, you know, leading into last year, because they were coming back after a year off, I think this year, they've been in the news more than they have in years past. And I think that's a good thing. If they're talking about you, it's a good thing. Do you think Randy Ambrosi is kind of leaving it out there to keep that discussion going. Remember back to when they started talking to the XFL, he, he didn't poo-poo anything. He said, we're just talking about talking. He would never come out and say anything to certify one way or the other which way they were going. I don't think they got far enough to talk about things like that in their discussions. I mean, they they I don't know how much how often they met, but they seemed in my eyes anyway to shut it down pretty quickly and say we're not we're not in uh, you know we're not going anywhere with this so we're just going to you know thank them for talking to us and and we're going to move on and the XFL is clearly clearly getting into bed with the NFL now right i mean uh, the rock was at the super bowl on the field you know getting things rolling so clearly there's a connection between the XFL and the NFL now so uh, i don't think the CFL and the XFL have have a match in the future I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's the CFL is going to be the CFL. It's always been the CFL. What they have to do more than anything is take what makes them different and makes them better in the minds of their fans and exploit that and market that. And, you know, it's like the old, you know, our balls are bigger, right? Back in the day when they had that marketing campaign, they have to tell people about the league and show them why it's different and why everyone here thinks it's a better game because of the wider field, because of the waggle, because the hash marks are farther apart, you know, because the the goal posts are on the goal line and not at the back of the end zone, because they have a 20-yard end zone, uh, you know, because, because, because there's so many things that make this league so different and can make it so much more exciting. And they have to market that. And they have to make sure that they're on the field, the product is allowed to embrace those differences and play to them and make sure they're allowed to be utilized. You know, things like the Rouge and and the 20-yard end zone and, and the waggle, right? And and that's where they have to make sure that that all comes through. People want to see more offense, right? And that's, you know, uh, the NFL has kind of, I, I think, taken over as the offensive league. Before it was, the NFL was always, you know, 14-10 and CFL games for 38-35. It's kind of 
almost flipped the other way now. Uh, the numbers for touchdown passes and points in, in NFL games are astronomical now compared to what we see in the Canadian Football League. And, and they got to get back to a more high-scoring game. But you can't – you still got to have defense, right? You still got to have those 10-7 games every once in a while where two defenses are just, you know, banging it out and working in the trenches and doing their jobs, right? That still has to be a possibility. And if you change it too much and open it up for the offense, then you take that part of the game out of it and – you don't give the defense a chance. So uh, I feel bad for defensive coordinators because the league for the last five years is trying to figure out how to get more offense and the, and the DCs have to figure out how to stop it all the time. Speed up the pace by getting the ball in play more. You're going to have fewer defensive substitutions, which is definitely going to help offense. That's one way to help this game go. Get the pace of play moving a little faster. Yeah, I agree with you. And they have to say, they have to shut down uh, the substitutions and say, okay, the clock started. Now you got your 20 seconds, right? That that will help speed up the game as well. And and that's, that's important. I think that's an important thing to make the game faster um, and, and make the game played at a, make it to be played at a, at a higher speed where you can get more plays in and more offense. I think that's the way to go. Genius sports is a big player in the CFL and it's attempts to, become more solid in the future. CFL Ventures, of course, is what they've set up with Genius Sports having uh, a part in that. Where do you think this is all going to play out? We know Genius is good at online betting and at game day experiences and fan interaction. Where do you think this is going? And do you think that this is one of the platforms that the CFL can... Honestly, Don, I really don't know. I don't know what Genius Sports is all about. From what I understand, they're just a, they're a data collection company. They're they're big in... in in gambling and odds and stuff like that. And that's going to be a big part. You know, I mean, that's already a big part of sports everywhere. You can't, you can't watch, you know, TSN or sports that now without them telling you that somebody's plus 600 or the over what the over under is, there's always, there's so many gambling aspects to sports now that you, you need, you need someone to handle that for you. So maybe that will help them. And and now with the, with the, whatever that bill was that, uh, that got changed to, to allow, you know, single game betting in Canada last year, that's going to become more important. And that is eventually going to allow the CFL to make more money. So they're going to probably play a role in that. And and I'm not sure how big of a role they're going to have or how much of how big of a say. A lot of people are saying that it is genius sports that is kind of pushing the four down thing. But from what I've heard Randy Ambrosi say, it's mostly information. It's data collection. It's, it's setting the line. It's doing, you know, all that other stuff that, that, that they're going to use. And, and, and they're mostly going to get information from them to help them reach out to the fans and, and be more active with the fans. It's a good if it works. It's a great idea if, if it brings in more fan interaction and allows fans to feel closer to the game and closer to their teams. Then I'm all for it. In 2019, as we went into training camps, did it ever occur to you at that time that there was ever a possibility it would take another three years before the CFL is back to an 18 game schedule? Yeah, it's not just football, though, man. It's not just the CFL. It's life. I mean, I'm still working from home. Uh, I've been at home working for two years now. So many other people are in the same boat. You know, we've been wearing masks for two years. We've all been, the majority of us have have all been uh, vaccinated and it's, everything's different, man. The world is different now. The way you, the way you interact with people, what you do when you go to restaurants, uh, hand sanitizer everywhere. I mean, it's, it's different. So uh, I, if you ask me in 2019, of course, I'm saying, what are you talking about? But when you look back, 
from where we are now to then say, yeah, nothing surprises me because so many things changed. Just the way we operate, so many things changed over the last uh, two years because of because of COVID nineteen. So yeah, it's it's it is different. It is it is for sure different. I mean, my industry is vastly changed because of COVID and working at home and and everything that that goes with that. I mean, our station's been pretty much. We're just starting to have people come back to work now. Our station's pretty much been empty except for you know the same 10 people who who are allowed to go in every day and work so uh it's it it changed a lot it changes how you do things and the cfl i'm sure is going to feel some changes and, and make some changes and 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 keep some of the things that they change and go back to the old ways and some of the things that that they've done as well so we'll we'll see but i'm i'm really wondering about media availability and how that's going to change because last year was all zoom right for the most part we in Edmonton, we're one of the few teams where they allowed uh, the media to come down to field level and stand there and talk to players. Although it was through a soundboard, and you know, you, but you could ask questions, right? And and it wasn't always on Zoom, uh, but uh, it, it's pretty convenient for teams to not allow certain players to talk and not allow certain information out if you're only given two or three players. I mean, I watch the hockey zooms now. Everybody's got the same story because you're only talking to two or three people every night, every day. It's the same two or three people on every station, in every newspaper, on every online article. And I, I don't think the CFL can afford to have that happen again because the CFL is filled with great stories and you have to allow the media to get to know the players, to find out what those stories are and to get access to the players because you don't get it in a in a Zoom call with people all over the country tuned in to, to not ask questions and steal all the answers, right? Which is what happened so much uh, over the last year and a half. How excited are you for this season? Aside from the fact that you've got a new coach, a new president, but an 18-game schedule, everything is is back to almost normal. You know, I, I I do yeah I do the the air quotes right uh, almost normal right back to normal which is what we've talked about so much I'm very excited for it uh, because and and I'll go back to what I said earlier because of the change in attitude in the town about the football team how down everybody was in in November to how excited everybody is uh, now as we get close to going into April I mean people are excited about football again in Edmonton and it's been a while since that happened. I mean, uh, it wasn't a great finish to 2019, uh, uh, you know, then you get a year wiped out. Uh, and now 21 was uh, a year with promise and it was just an absolute disaster, uh, in Edmonton. I mean, didn't win a home game, finished three and 11, missed the playoffs, fire everybody. Nobody was happy. There was 10,000 people. If that at the last couple of home games, nobody was happy about anything regarding the Canadian football league in Edmonton in November. And now all of a sudden everybody's changing their tune and they're excited about moving forward. So I'm, I'm I am excited about it. Looking forward to getting to getting to, to see players again and, and, and see preseason games and, and see a full training camp. And, uh, yeah, there's so much stuff that you don't really miss it until you don't have it. And I think we're going to go through that uh, in, in 2022 going, oh, yeah, we didn't do that last year. I, was, that, I like doing this, you know, whatever it may be. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. I'm looking really looking forward to it. Well, my wish for you is that uh, you get to call an Elks victory at Commonwealth for the first time <laughs> since 2019. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the Elks traded their soul, basically. They got the win in Calgary on Labor Day, which they hadn't had for over 10 years. Right. But that was one of only three wins. They didn't get to win one at home all year. Uh, yeah. They had, uh, I can't even remember how long that abysmal losing streak was. I think it was eight or nine games or whatever. It was, uh, it was just, like I said, it was just a bad, bad year all around. And I feel bad for, 
the people who ran the football team to a certain extent, you know, you know, obviously they made their bed in, in certain areas, but I mean, especially I think of Jamie Elizondo who waited so long to get a head coaching job and then got it in the middle of the off season and had to use the last guy's coaching staff and couldn't have, couldn't meet with his coaches until training camp in person. Couldn't meet with anyone be in, you know, and he had to spend, he spent going back and forth from the States to Canada, spent about uh, a month and a half in quarantine crossing the border. So he couldn't do a lot of work there. Some of that was in Edmonton. Some of that was in Ottawa where he was living. Uh, he didn't get a preseason game. It, it, then COVID hits three games into the schedule and, and you can't practice for two weeks. I mean, he did not get a fair shake, but, doesn't matter, right? You are what your record says you are, as the old saying goes, right? And he was three and eleven, and him and the general manager and fan unrest with the president, and everybody's gone, and it's a fresh start in Edmonton, which we're all looking forward to. Where can people find you on Twitter or any other platform? Uh, Morley underscore Scott on uh, Twitter and on uh, Instagram. On Instagram, you mostly just see pictures of my grandson, though. So <laughs> I'm a be- if you're a football fan, I'm a better follow on Twitter than I am on Instagram. But yeah, that's about it. Twitter's been great in Edmonton around the Elks this year because Victor Quee's come in and, and he is dominant on Twitter. I mean, he is he is just pounding out the tweets and, and the fan interaction and getting people excited about football. So it's it's been Elks uh, Twitter has been uh, has been a pretty good place to be for the last two months, and it was a really dark place back in October, November, and December. It's amazing how dynamic leadership can bring up a franchise. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, Victor certainly done that coming in, and he's just he's just changed everything. He's just changed everything. Thanks so much for joining us again. I really appreciate you being back on our show. All right, good to be here. Any anytime, just uh, just give me a call. Thank Bye. you so much, Morley, and all the best. Thanks, you too. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble podcast. Audio. Worth watching.